Bible to uh, John chapter 8. Now, everything Jesus Christ said, of course, was always very profound, very true, straight down the line. And uh, he said something very interesting here in uh, verse 30. 31, actually, he said, but in verse 30, and as he spoke these words about Jesus Christ, of course, many believed on him. Interesting. Many believed on him. What does that mean? There are many people in this world who believe in God or say they believe in something higher and they don't dare to call it God. Or there's people say, oh, I believe in Jesus. Oh, I love Jesus. But it's just only that. And then said Jesus to those who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Now this camp is very much about continuing and not hanging around and not sitting back and not just let things happen to you but take charge of your life. Right? And then, in verse 32, as a result of that, as of thus continuing, and you shall know the truth, that word actually doesn't mean just knowing what's true, it means understanding the truth. Right? And the truth, or the understanding of the truth, is going to make you free. So you got these different steps. Believing in Jesus, okay, nice. Continuing, very important. Never giving up, always out there doing things for God. Living the life of revival. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, you wake up with revival in your head. You go to bed with your revival in your head. You're always there looking for opportunities to make God's kingdom grow. And when you do that, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Now the title of my talk today is Truth versus Lies. Can you put slide one on? Alright, we're going to see a few illustrations. That's the title today, the theme. Alright, and uh, let's go to Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 18. And there are the words of the prophet, of course. And it says there in verse 18, Woe unto them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity. Iniquity means lawlessness. And they're just pulling it out and pulling it forward, parading it in the streets, and just showing around what they think is their version of truth. And sin is where with a card rope. So it's not just sinning, but doing it out in the open and having it in your face all the time. Do we recognize that these days? You're being promoted, confronted with all sorts of stuff, which you know is wrong, and it's right in your face. And you can't escape it. Alright? And then in verse 19, that say, these people let make speed and hasten his work, that they may see it, and let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw nigh and come, that he may know it. So never mind what God is there, just let him do what he wants. Woe unto them, in verse 20, that call evil good, and good evil, put darkness for light, and light for darkness, bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. Everything back to front. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes, and prudent in their own sight. Proud, People doing everything 
back to front. Upside down. And having it in your face. Right? Slide two. Have a read of this. Of all the distressing symptoms of our time is the most fundamental one, the collapse of the distinction between truth and lies. Fair to say that? It's an interesting, isn't it? Slide number three. The postmodern society decided that the concept of object, objective truth was defunct or didn't work anymore, and that everything was relative, the idea of the lie was also destroyed. Brothers and sisters, if you destroy the concept of truth, then there's no lies anymore either, because they are connected. Can we see that? Right? And then it says here, there's no such thing as truth, and there cannot be a lie, and everything has then become merely a matter of opinion. Your opinion, my opinion, equal weight, equal value, who cares, my opinion is just as good as yours. That's what is happening in the world, brothers and sisters, modernism. Right? It started with the Industrial Revolution, mostly between the First and Second World War, and then, of course, the recovery period after the war, after the war, when I was a boy at the time, right? And it started really with the idea that the established notions of art, literature, religion, philosophy, and all the other stuff didn't no longer fit in an industrialized world. It was not up to date anymore. That's the idea. And they had postmodernism. It sort of came after, of course, and that's sort of how the, in the 1960s and the 1970s, and that was characterized by an attitude of skepticism and distrust of authority. The tides, the time of the nosems in Holland. Who remember that time? Who was old like that? I was one of them. Driving around on a motorcycle, Generally, being Fonzi, Fonzarelli. Who knows Fonzarelli? Happy days, right? Everything changed, right? Slide four. That's what's happening. That's what you learn at school, uh, where I've got my, uh, my, 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 my boat, by the boat club there. There is a scout group. You know what the scouts are? You know, young, young children, you know, just uh, playing with boats and, uh, you know, good, good fun actually. And uh, they have a toilet block. And there is a blue door and a pink door and a white door in the middle. And the white door is neither blue nor pink. That's amazing. Right? That's what's happening. And an interesting thing about it is that people sort of say, well, there are conflicting opinions that just one says the one thing and the other says totally the opposite thing, but it's still called equal value. How does that work? No wonder everybody is confused. All right? Interesting. And another interesting thing that happened, of course, as you know, is that if you don't like the news, you call it fake news. That's something that sort of started to happen in the last two years, three years perhaps. All right? If you don't like the news, you call it fake news. If it doesn't suit you, it's not true. So there is still absolutism there, and if you don't accept it. On the one hand, everything is okay. The other hand says, well, that's not okay. So no wonder everybody is confused, brothers and sisters. Isn't that amazing? Right? Slide five. That's a little movie. Who's enter? 
Wat voor zei je wel? Is een apple. Some people might try to tell you that it's a banana. They might scream banana, banana, banana over and over and over again. They might put banana in all caps. You might even start to believe that this is a banana. But it's not. This is an apple. The defense of Donald Trump. He called everything on CNN fake news. This is amazing, you know? And we have this thing. Now, you see it in the news these days, and sometimes people make these outrageous claims, which we know is totally not true. But when they repeat it loud, and again, and again, and again, and again, it's going to be accepted somehow. That's weird. Alright? What I'm trying to tell you, brothers and sisters, that facts do exist. Many years ago, when we first started in Holland, I was challenged in a newspaper article. Some of you might know that. Still got, still got a little uh, MP3 movie from, uh, sorry, a, uh, an audio thing from it. And I was actually phoned by the local TV station. I would comment on what was actually in the newspaper. And there was a couple of people there wrote, wrote about us being a sect and uh, praying on vulnerable people. You're all vulnerable people. You're all more or less stupid. And I'm praying on you, you see, you know that? So that's what I was sort of... And this guy said to me, you know, he tried to sort of draw me out. I said, you know what? He said, you can accept the fact or you can refuse to accept facts. But gravity is a fact. Amen? You jump from the tower, you're dead. That's a fact. The whole of nature is regulated by zillions of very exact laws. And somehow or another, in talks about God, people don't want to accept that there's something exact about it. Amazing stuff, really. Slide 6. Now, I'm going to talk Dutch now. Wie vindt dit leuk? Wie vindt het niet leuk? About 50-50. Yeah? Leuk is actually, I, I can't translate the word leuk. It's sort of like uh, pleasing. Nice. In English. You know what? It is not very nice. You see that? And it's very confrontational. I heard from somebody saying they came to the meeting and they saw this band and said, oh, you better take that down quick because all the new people are going to be frightened away. Can we sort of have this ID way of thinking a little bit? Right? Now let's take the next slide. How do you like that one? That's not very nice either, is it? Right? But you know what? The revival in the 70s and 80s was built on that image. We used to do a lot of presentations in the last days, and that was in the background. Because people need to be made aware that time is indeed running out. And we can't soft soap it. Who does know what that means? Soft soap it. Alright? Sort of trying to uh, give a very strong message. Very gently. 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 It don't work. Alright? Somebody said to me once, 
this idea of trying to get people into the fellowship, people in the kingdom of God, you have to have this softly, softly, catchy monkey approach. Who doesn't know that expression? Softly, softly, catchy monkey. You know, catching a donkey, a donkey, a monkey, an apje, an apje vangen. Yeah, in Dutch, gewoon voorzichtig, een beetje slim, klein beetje achter, een beetje, een beetje achter de bak eigenlijk. You know what? We're not trying to catch monkeys. We're trying to catch people. Alright? And sometimes you have to be confronted, confronted, confronted. And I know when you got children, you say, ooh, I don't know about, you know what? It's reality. It is reality. And you can't shield, shield your children from reality. You can help them understand it. You can help them cope with it. We're not trying to make a big panic about it. But it's a reality, brothers and sisters. Facts are facts. Let's go to the next scripture. You can do the slides away if you like. I don't have it. There's no more, is there? No, there's no more. Let's go to Isaiah 28. Now this, this way of thinking, by the way, is sort of going around in cycles over the years, over the ages, over the centuries. And uh, you find that if you read the Bible, you find the children of Israel had this also cycles, where it sort of went okay, and then it sort of went down a bit, and it came up again, and all the revivals, and sort of decay, all the stuff going on. Now in Isaiah 28, verse 14, the prophet Isaiah again, he said, wherefore, now just remember this word, wherefore, because that refers to the verses before, we're coming back on that in a minute. He said, wherefore, hear the word of the Lord, your scornful men, that rule this people which is in Jerusalem. Because you have said, we have made a covenant with death, and with hell are we in agreement, when the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come unto you, unto us. So don't say, you're going to be okay, let's move to New Zealand, because that is the safest country in the world. Hey, it's not. That was, by the way, on the news as well, that New Zealand seems to be uh, the safest country in the world in a possible nuclear war. Okay. Ain't gonna help. Yeah? And under falsehood we have, we hit ourselves. Therefore, there says the Lord God, behold, I lay in Zion a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. A judgment. Judgment. Think about this word. People are, we are being told, you're not supposed to judge. Oh, you're judging me. Naughty, 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 naughty. Right? Judgments. Will I lay to the line and righteousness or right judgment, right thinking, making things right to the plummet. Who know who, who doesn't know what the plummet is? Who knows what the plummet is? Nobody knows anything. Well, in the old days when you build a, build a, build a, build a building, yeah, right on, and you have to put a straight wall up, you have a bit of string with a way on the bottom. That's a plummet, a plummet line. So then you hold this string like that and you see whether the wall is sitting straight or not. Now you might not like the way this line is actually pointing, but you can't change it. That line is the straight line. And it is vertical. You might not like it, but that's what it is. So there is Jesus, sorry, this prophet says here, the plummet line. Judgment will out to the line, the righteousness to the plummet, and he shall sweep away the refuge of lies. People refuge, 
they find refuge, they find a so-called safe place, or they think they find a safe place in lies, and the water shall overflow a hiding place. Now, just about this word wherefore in verse 14, we'll go back to verse 5. Because we just read the conclusion from what is in verse 5 to the verse, to verse 12. Right? And in verse 5, in that day, talking about the last day, the Lord of hosts shall be a crown of glory and a diadem of beauty under the residue of his people. A, di- a diadem, I believe, that is one of these things you put on your, uh, on your head, sort of like a bit of a crown. Okay? Residue of his people. Now, who is talking about here? He's talking about the people who stayed behind and the ones who came back from Babylon and Assyria after they had been away for a number of years. So there's a group of people there, mixed together, and it says there, I will also be a spirit of judgment. A judgment to them that sit in judgment. So there's people there who are supposed to be judges, religious leaders in particular perhaps, and he said, I'm going to judge the judges. Alright? And for the strength they return the battle to the gate. And they also, these judges, have urged through wine and through strong drink and are out of the way. The priest and the prophet have urged through strong drink. They have swallowed up of wine. They are out of ways through strong drinks. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. Stumble in judgment. You remember this word? Stumble in judgment. Alright? Interesting stuff, brothers and sisters. For all tables are full of vomit and filthiness, so there's no place clean. Now let's just have a look about this judgment a little bit. I'm going away from the script here, sorry translators. Just keep your finger here in Isaiah 28, but we go back to Mark, Matthew 25. Just for a little bit of a side jump. Matthew 25. That's been talked about already. And I think it was uh, Martin Cornell, I think, who made me aware of that. This is, I reckon, a great idea. Just sometimes you see things, you don't, you don't see it. You see it, but you don't see it. Make any sense? And then later on, somebody gives you a little bit of a pointer, look at it this way, and says, aha. That's what I call aha moments. All right? And, of course, the story there in verse 14 and 15, we find that Jesus is, a, well, of course, talking about Jesus, of course, and he's giving talents. Right? Five talents, two talents, and another one to another one in verse 15. And we found out the other day that talents, a component of these talents, was actually the scales. Remember that? A little slide on the screen there? The scales. Now, if you have ever seen, uh, what do you call it again? The, the Lady Justitia? Is that a normal term, Lady Justitia, she is a blindfolded lady with a set of scales. Supposed to be making, judging right from wrong. You understand all that? Okay? So, part of these talents is the ability to judge. To make assessments. Now let's go to Hebrews chapter 4, chapter 5. Still keep your finger in Isaiah. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. Verse 14. And that is actually talking about people who have come to the Lord. And we started, of course, saying by continuing 
in the words, learning, gaining experience, and it says here in verse 14, but strong meat, oftewel really good, strong stuff, belonging to them that are full of age, even those who by reason of use have the senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So you get the talents, you're going to use them, you're going to exercise them, you take it to the bodybuilding school, right? and you're going to be able to see more and more sharply and more and more better what is good and what is not good. Now you're spirit-filled, you get a built-in alarm system. And you, sometimes you might not even understand, but you hear something, somebody says something, and you say, that doesn't sound right. That's the Holy Spirit. Now you can talk over that, and make it into a banana after all anyway, if you want to, but it's an apple. Alright? Now, just accept the apple, alright, and just listen to what God has given you, this talent of discernment. The talent to judge right from wrong. And exercise it and grow with it. Fantastic stuff. Where are we going to? Verse 9 of Isaiah 28. Back to the script again here. So I was talking about a real mess in Isaiah 28, verse 5 to 8. Last days, prophecy, but also there at that, that point in time. And as we know, brothers and sisters, history always keeps on repeating itself. Somehow or another, mankind never seems to learn from history. Right? So there it is, verse 9, the question. Whom then shall he teach knowledge? So God is left, left with his mess, with people believing lies, wanting lies, wanting to be deceived by lies, trying to hide behind lies, not, not wanting to know the difference between lies and truth anymore. And the Bible says here, whom is he going to teach the knowledge then? What's he got left? What's he got left? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? And then the question, them that are weaned from the milk or drawn from the breast, or maybe not a question, talking about babies. The Bible says, unless you become like a little child, you shall in no wise enter the kingdom of God. What does that mean? You have to go back and uh, go walk around the nappies again? Doesn't mean that. If you have a little child, we've got one in our house for a while now, and it's great to see. Our little child is open, is full of wonder, sees something, woo! Believes things, right? Believes fairy tales, spooks under the blankets, crocodiles under the bed, Right? And that's what the Bible is talking about. That we have to become like a child. Open our mind and be ready for the miracles. Ready for the wonder. Ready for the discoveries. Going into the world and preaching the gospel and seeing people receiving the Holy Spirit, seeing them get baptized. I've seen many people get baptized over the years and there is no way that we can ever find anything better to do than seeing that happen. You bring somebody around, 
through your efforts and receiving get baptized, there is nothing better in your life than that. I remember my son getting baptized, my oldest son getting baptized. He was still a young boy. I was thrilled. And the other one. Right? And things happened from that point onwards, and you see the result of all that stuff. Great stuff. So who then is going to teach that? And it says there, what's happening there? Precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. That was the state of the religion at that point in time. A little bit here, a little bit there. A rule here, and a rule there. I remember Pastor Chris phoning me a fair while ago, and I was thinking, I'm not sure what I was phoning. He said, on Saturday night, we're going to introduce the rules, the fellowship rules. And I said, oh, that's a good idea. Then I had to slip, slept over it, and I said, hang on a sec. Priest upon precept, line upon line, bit here and a bit there. So I, we got in contact again, and I said, you know what? That's not what we ought to be doing. We ought to teach people how to walk in the Spirit. So when people came on the Saturday night, I believe, they had a surprise. Tonight we're going to talk about walking in the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, that is, encompasses everything. <clears throat> Walking in the spirit, you don't need rules because everything is going to be good. Simple. Walking in the spirit, right? And it says here, these people who is going to teach knowledge to, they have a stammering lips and another tongue. They can speak in tongues. Whoa! And what do they say? This is the rest. This is the rest. You receive the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> you have total rest in yourself. Amen? Right? That is the best day of your life. Receiving the Holy Spirit, getting baptized. A new start. That is the, this is the rest, waarmee je cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing. Refreshing. Who's ever been to the desert? I've been to the desert. In Australia, it's some very, very hot places. And to have a glass of cool water is fantastic. Very, very, very refreshing. Alright? And it says here, these people are going to be out there, and they're going to be talking to people, and they said, but they would not hear. Not the people doing the talking, the people weren't supposed to do the listening. And it ain't much changed a lot. Alright? And in verse 13, but the word of the Lord was unto them precept upon precept. Some people like it that way. I just, uh, this last weekend, of course, there was all sort of, uh, Christmas, uh, things happening in, 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 in Dordrecht. I went for a walk, and I, as I quite often do, and there is a church going. Another church, another church, another church. All these people going to church, line upon line, here a little, there a little, and I don't mean a thing. And they believe lies. They believe they're a child of God when they're not born again. And they believe two times a year, Easter and Christmas, going to church is good enough. It's a lie. Fantastic stuff, really. Right, so we come back to this. <clears throat> so where do we go from here? Go to Acts chapter three. The point of history: where Jesus died and was risen from the dead, and he went to the Father. He poured out the Holy Spirit, as we all know. Acts chapter two. We don't have to read it because it's, I don't think there's any people that would not know Acts chapter two yet. And if you don't know it yet, ask your neighbor later on, and they'll show you Acts chapter two. No problem. Alright? And in Acts chapter 3, straight away the results of all that. In verse 1, 
Peter and John just received the Holy Spirit. It's all very fresh. And I can remember in my own way, in my own life, when I just had received the Holy Spirit, I was also very, very, very fresh. And I had a chap come to my workshop one day. He wanted to buy some fiberglass material. And he had promised to come to a meeting a few days before. And he comes on the Saturday. He said, you know what? I can't come tomorrow because I got a sore back. He said, no. So, we're going to pray about it and call the Hilda then. He said, that's all I get. He said, yeah, sure. So in the middle of the workshop, I just laid my hands on him. I prayed in tongues for him. And he sort of stood there. Oh, I think it's gone. I said, of course it's gone. That's what you got when you just got spirit filled. And maybe later on you go a little bit less like that. Not to soften it a little bit, perhaps. But you know what? The things that happen when you first come to the Lord could happen after 30 years or 40 years or 40 It could still keep happening. Right? There they go. And there's a guy sitting there in verse 2. A certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried when we lay daily at the gate of the temple which is called beautiful. Ask arms of them that entered into the temple. This little verse here reminds me of the time I was in the Ivory Coast quite a few years back now. And it was a big Catholic compound. A really large, beautiful buildings, right? A temple in the middle of all that. A gate around it, fences around it. And outside, along the fence, were people, sick people laying there. And there was one guy who was in a very, very bad way. And every morning and every night, the priests walked past him. Time and time and time again. And while we were there, the guy died. And it took three days before they took the body away. In a big truck. Open. Just put them in there like rubbish. Right? Amazing stuff, really. But this is different here. This man was laying at the gate of the temple. It didn't say how long he was there. But something new was happening. Peter and John come around in verse 3. And he looks at them and he said, Hey, they look like rich guys. Give me some money, please. And Peter set his eyes on him and said, Look on us. And he gave feet unto them in verse 5. Expect to receive something of them. And Peter said, Silver and gold have I none. Just to have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took her by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up, he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw it. What a testimony. Now we all heard perhaps many great testimonies of Pastor Godfrey from Papua New Guinea. Right? I asked Pastor Godfrey quite a few years ago, I said, Pastor Godfrey, don't people ever die in Papua New Guinea? He said, yeah, they die like flies. But we don't talk about that. Right? He wasn't sort of being flippant about it. You're going to die too. I'm going to die one day. We're all going to die one day. But in the meantime, we have a full life. And all the people said. In the meantime, as long as you keep breathing, as long as you can keep walking, you keep walking for the Lord. You keep breathing for the Lord. Alright? And then, like I talked about in, in, in Dordrecht, about the talk, this last, I think last week, I think it was, about when God sends Jesus back to finish the program, He's going to look for the people 
also doing. You ain't going to be looking for people sitting in the back, laying on the back with the feet on the, feet on the table, and just sitting there. And, uh, right? He's going to be looking for the people also doing. As long as you can do it, we do it. And all the people said. Fantastic, isn't it? Alright, so there we go. In verse 4, in, in, in uh, chapter 4, verse 1. As Peter talking to the people there, and the priest and the captains of the temple and the Sadducees came out to him being grieved. And they told the people and preached to Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Isn't that typical, brothers and sisters? You talk to people, and how many times do you hear say, you can't say that. You can't say that. I was talking to a very religious man a while ago. We actually uh, drove around in the car to go to a number of places. And he's a very religious man, and he believes that he can actually get children baptized by putting a bit of water over the forehead. And I told him, that's not good. The Bible talks about it. Baptism, the word means immersion. He said, oh, that's a bit presumptuous to you to say that. He said, you know what, what's presumptuous? Sprinkling babies and telling God that they have to accept that. That's presumptuous. And all the people said. Right? And they do turn things back to front again, don't they? They make a lie into truth. Or they try to. That's what's happening. And they try to put you in the defense. Now defense should be the other way around. Amazing. Right? And let hands on them and put them in prison. And so forth, and so forth, and so forth. Now, of course, it talks about people also. It talks about the Sadducees in verse 1. Because the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. Sort of like we started off by saying, look, my opinion is, I don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. And you believe it, but my opinion is just as, just as good as yours. So shut up. Don't talk about it. Don't try to change me. Also, even the world, brothers and sisters, is still going on. Right? And in verse 4, Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed. And the number of men was all about 5,000, so then good. Right? Acts chapter 3, again. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And in verse 10, And they knew that it was he which sat for arms at a beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which happened to them. And the lame man, which was healed, held Peter and John, and all the temple people ran together, unto them in the portal called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And Peter saw it, he answered unto them, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Why do you look so earnestly on us? As though our own whole power of holiness we have made this man to walk. That's an interesting scripture, brothers and sisters. How many people are going around this, in this world, religious people, Pentecostal preachers, claiming to be healers? And people have advertisements, they have rallies, they have conventions. Come and see this great healer. You know what? God is the healer. And all the people said, God is the healer, and all we can do is inspire people to believe it. And if you pray for somebody, and if you pray without your mind, don't do it, forget it. Your confidence in this prayer will show through and help people to believe, even if they're not even spirit-filled yet. 
very important. You confidence. Go forward. Right? And in verse 14, Peter is really getting stirred up. He said, Here you denied the Holy One and the just, and desired a murderer to be grounded unto you, and kill the Prince of Life, whom God had raised from the dead, whereof we are all witnesses. And in his name, through faith, or his fame, his authority, through faith in this fame, had made this man strong, whom you see and know, yea, the faith which is by him, had given him his perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I wish that through ignorance ye did, also that your rulers, but those things which God before has showed by the mouth of the prophets, that Christ should suffer, and he had so fulfilled. Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And that is back, of course, to Isaiah 28. The times of refreshing. It is springtime. Times of refreshing. It is a Passover, brothers and sisters. That's where we go. And I talk about, of course, in Isaiah 28, we talked about this is the rest and this is the refreshing. So here we are. Amos. Chapter 8, verse 11. In verse 11, Amos chapter 8, verse 11, the prophet says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread and not a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. A famine is a hungersnood in the Netherlands. A famine, hungersnood for the word of God. And they shall wander from sea to sea, from the north to the east, and shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. When I first came to the Lord, it was in a bit of a, uh, a fashion thing. Uh, people traveled to India, Pakistan, Tibet, trying to find some sort of guru, and they just go to try to find themselves. Right, and maybe it's still happening in certain ways. People trying to find themselves, and the Bible says they shall not find it. And then in Matthew chapter seven, don't go there. I'll just quote it to you. But Jesus said, "Ask, and it shall be given unto you." Verse seven: Seek, and ye shall find; knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. That sounds to be sounds like a contradiction in Amos. It says. They're running all over the place and they're not going to find it. And here it says, Ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find. Now what's now the difference between Amos and Matthew? The difference is, there's like in Matthew it says, Ask. And Amos doesn't say that. And Amos talks about people just doing their thing, trying to find things their way, Never mind whether it's true or not true. And in Matthew 7 it says, Ask. And I'm sure that there's quite a few people here today who in their mind or in their hearts were asking once upon a time, God, where is it? What am I doing here? Who am I? And somehow or another, God makes a contact with somebody and you find the answer. So the difference is, don't walk around like a chukum without a head. You have to have another chicken. What the chicken is? A chicken, right? Now I've been. My, my dad used to uh, have chickens, and every now and again he used to kill one, and then we ate it. 
And the way he did that, he just grabbed it and put it on with the timer and took the head off. And then he let it go and starts running. Don't know where to go, mind you. It runs, it runs against everything. Amazing stuff, really. Now, we're not like that. Running like a chicken without a head. And people do that. They run and run and run and run and run. But they don't ask. Brothers and sisters, that's why we are here. And it talks about here, of course, John chapter 3 and chapter 4 and all the other stuff, right? And in Matthew 7, again, it talks about false prophets. False prophets ain't got no head on. Uh, running, and don't follow them, because you look like a troop without a head as well as yourself too. Alright? We're going to finish in Ephesians, chapter 2, and verse 12. And he's talking to the Ephesians, uh, Paul is there, and he said, at the time, in verse 12, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. And every one of us, before we got spirit-filled and baptized, we were like that. In this world, without hope. And in verse 13, we are now made close to the blood of Jesus Christ. In verse 14, for he is our peace. He is our peace, who had made both one and had broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments. Alright? In verse 16, that he might reconcile you both unto God, in one body, by the cross. And in verse 17, And he came and preached peace to you, which were far off, and to them that were nigh. For through him, you both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, the house of the God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Brothers and sisters, we are not just fiddling around a little bit in a little hole somewhere in Brabant in Holland. We are built upon the foundation which was laid 1700 years before Christ even. The promises to Abraham. One of the promises was Jesus Christ and the disciples and the apostles and the prophets. All this stuff is our foundation. There is no stronger foundation than that. It's an eternal foundation. That's what we've got. We are built upon that. We are not experimenting, just fiddling around a little bit, trying this and trying that. No, we've got a very good grounding. Better is not there. Alright? And whom all the building fitly framed together, you and I, building material, Growth unto a holy temple in the Lord. In whom we all build it together for habitation of God through the Spirit. So this, what is being built is suitable for God to live in through the Spirit. Fantastic. Truth does exist. Lies do exist too. But lies are not truth. It's not a matter of opinion. There are facts who are simple and true. And don't let anybody try to confuse you. Just talking to someone just during this camp, <clears throat> and you're talking to a person, and the person says, but my Bible is a better translation than your Bible on the street. And I'm pretty sure, if you look at this other Bible this person was talking about, 
that will also have Mark 16 in it, and also Acts chapter 2, and also the message to get born again. So don't let anybody try to confuse you by saying, oh, I've got a different translation. All the translations, as far as I've ever seen over the years, and I've seen a lot, all have in there how to be a child of God. So, brothers and sisters, truth is truth. Black and white, simple, let's keep it like that. Amen. Amen.